Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Travis Irvine. Oh, hello, Ben. And Fernando. Oh, hello, Ben. Hey, guys. So today's episode, we are honored to have with us a fantastic guest, so powerful. She is an advocate for stalker legislation, mm-hmm. obviously anti-stalker <laughs> legislation. <laughs> right, right, right. And uh, she is a, uh, a victim's rights advocate. Uh, she is a survivor. Mm-hmm. Her name is Lenora Clare. And uh, I just think this interview is uh, its just really, it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very uh, nuanced conversation, as, she, as, very, as very. you will hear her say, um, just uh, another highlight in a weird sector of criminal justice reform in this country that falls short in a lot of ways and is difficult to change in other ways, but there's things going forward. Absolutely, as people are currently behind bars for petty mm-hmm. drug crimes, uh, other people are not behind bars right. for very serious, serious death threats, stalking, rape threats, stalking, life-changing <laughs> right. activity that destroys uh, so many people, but Lenora is just f- fantastic, mm-hmm. and uh, she's just yeah. I think her story is re- relevant, and mm-hmm. I think our audience will you know get a lot out of it. So enjoy this conversation with Lenora Claire. All right, everyone. Now it is time for our conversation with a survivor, a victim's advocate, a media personality. She is wonderful, Lenora Claire. Thank you so much for being on the show, and thank you so much for talking about the topic. Uh, that uh, many people are dealing with right now, which is aggressive, whether it be online or um, tangible stalking. So thank you so much for being on sure. the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so glad that you're you're open to covering this topic. Yeah. So can you just tell our audience a little bit about your uh, story and uh, what got you um, to where you are now when it comes to informing people about how serious you know, these crimes are and how underreported and underprosecuted they are. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So my story is complex, but I'll try and keep it as short as possible. Uh, back in 2011, I, I work in television now, but back yeah. then I had an art gallery and I had gotten like a lot of press and there was a schizoaffective man. I'm not self-diagnosing him. We, we know this to be true. Okay. Who was, and I also want to preface before I get into my story that I'm not in any way stigmatizing people with mental illness. And I don't think everybody who suffers with mm-hmm. this is dangerous, but Absolutely. my stalker in particular is dangerous. So I just want to make that distinction. But Absolutely. Um, I had gotten a lot of press from my art galleries, like I was LA Weekly People of the Year, whatever. Yeah. And I didn't know this, but there was a disturbed man who his legal name, um, well, he goes by Cloud Star Chaser. He's legally had it changed to, or Justin Masler was his birth, birth name, was stalking Ivanka Trump out in New York. And again, this is 2011. Okay. So a, a different a different time with the Trumps. Mm-hmm. And, and of I course, didn't know stalking any- is never right, regardless of political affiliation. Right, but yeah. right, right. Well, we, get, we get deep on that too. So he had, actually, <laughs> he had actually tried to kill himself in her store. So history oh of violence, this is a scary individual. And okay. Right. So I don't know any of this. Like I'm living my life in LA. I'm getting lots of press, whatever. And the LA Weekly took this photograph of me. I have a capuchin monkey friend, right? So it's a a really great photo of me with my little like monkey. And um, (laughs) I guess what had happened was he had been arrested multiple times for stalking Ivanka. He jumps bail. He comes to LA. He opens up the magazine. He sees me. He becomes fixated on me. He comes Mm. to my gallery. He's wearing a spacesuit. And like I'm somebody, you know, I come from an art background, a lot of quirky characters. Characters. So, I, you know, I, I engage people, even if they're sort of like dressed a bit outlandish, that doesn't stop me. So yeah, I was of course. 
very friendly with him. And he looked at me and he goes, Oh, you look like Jessica rabbit. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I hear that sometimes. Thanks. And he goes, and Lulu, Lulu from the fifth element is just like, kind of like speaking very rapidly. And I can like, okay, this guy's like a bit unhinged. Right. And then he looks at me and that's where like the split happened. And he goes, and I'm going to stalk you. Oh my God. Ooh. So right. he told you to your he face that he was going to stalk you. So it was uh, premeditated. I mean, he really thought about this. Right. And so, you know, again, I have no clue who he is. I just, I just know I got to get the creep out of my gallery. Oh. So I push him out of the gallery. I don't think much of it. You know, I just tell a couple of friends about the weird incident. And then I start getting all these texts from people and they're like, girl, that guy you had the weird issue with, like, I think it was maybe Perez Hilton or like one of the, if he had basically, he had been extradited by bounty hunters to New, to back to New York okay. to face trial for the crimes against Ivanka. Wow. So he goes to Rikers Island for, you know, what he did to her and he starts sending me these very long unhinged letters to my gallery and at first they were just sort of like ramblings and then they started to rapidly escalate to very very graphic horrific rape and death threats right like just yeah. the gnarliest stuff and so i go to police and i'm like i'm getting these rape threats and these death threats and they sort of just like they laughed at me they told me to because your audience can't tell but i have very bright red hair they yeah. told me to dye my hair so i wouldn't be so obvious get off the internet you know basically so you were supposed to live a second class citizen lifestyle correct, because this correct. person's harassing you. Right, right. And I explained, you know, here's somebody with a long criminal history of violent acts, and they were just really terrible to me. And so I started going, okay, not, not that I normalized it, but I was like, well, I guess I have to learn how to track IP because he bounces around the country. So oh, wow. let me at least know what level of threat I'm under. So I start to like, that's where I start to get a little bit more proactive in my safety because I realize like they're not going to do anything for me. So this starts going on. So I'm interested yeah. just because I want to talk obviously about legislation. And of course, when it comes mm -hmm. to the police prosecution. So you went in and yeah. you told your story and you showed them the evidence, right? You have mountain all the, of evidence, mountain of yeah. evidence. Mm -hmm. And it just, that must've been, you must've really shrunk at that moment when they laughed at you, when they said, oh yeah, this is not a big deal. Dye your hair as if again, it's your fault because I have uh, it, it doesn't matter what color your hair is. That must have yeah. just been such a was was that kind of a wake up call to you being like, oh, shit, this is yes. such a more pervasive problem than I even thought, because the people that are supposed to help literally right. are complicit. <laughs> right. So I was I was shocked and I could see how, you know, there's a lot of victim blaming, especially because if we're looking statistically, a lot of these crimes are former intimate partners. So it's even more complex. Like for me, it's just a stranger. I have no emotional connection to. Right. But when it's your former partner, maybe there's kids, you know, there's the, the did I do something wrong? I dated the asshole. There's like all these sort of other elements. But, you know, police, they were really they, they mocked me. And so <sighs> I, I could see how. A lot of people, a lot of people that I work with, you know, it makes them give up. They just sort of go, okay, well, this is life now, but I'm, I'm a bit different personality archetype wise. And yeah. I was like, oh, really? And at this point, cause I had now, what, what had happened was it, it kept happening and now it's like getting even worse, like really, really detailed Ugh. how he's going to kidnap me, kill me, rape me. Um, I'm Jewish. And so he is like fixated with killing me with Zyklon B, which was used to kill my relatives in the Holocaust, gassing yeah. me through the door. Oh so it's like. God. So it's right. It's just this horrific right to keep getting. He also fluctuates between loving me, right, because he's unwell. So some days I'm his wife. He has um, multiple disorders, including one called erotomania, which is where they have a false relationship with you. That's, oh. you know, like remember the David Letterman stalker who thought they were married. So yes. he, he kind of swings back and forth. Sometimes we're a couple and other times I'm the leader of a Zionist conspiracy. So he must take me out. Right. It goes back and forth. So this is going on for years. Nobody's helping me. I, as again, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to learn risk minimization just to keep myself safe. And then so were you, point, were you changing yeah. your behavior based on this? I mean, it must've had a, an effect on a three, it must've been a, yes. a 360 effect on your life. Yes. I closed my art gallery because Aww. I couldn't be a public facing person, but then I started working in television. So I was like, okay, you know, I'll just, this is terrifying, but I'll just, fortunately I'm, I'm creative and I figured it out, but most of all, you know, imagine just if I took your livelihood away, yes. right. And this is actually, right. this will be the second time that that happened. So the first time was with the gallery. So then I started working in reality television where I've been a casting director since then, literally since 2011, because I had, I closed my gallery because I was so freaked out. Wow. So I start working in TV and actually that's where I gave Billy Jensen, our yeah. mutual friend, his first job working with me. So um, <laughs> he actually plays into my story. I don't know if he told you that. So what no, he didn't. Was, 
Yeah. So I'm working in casting. Um, I had just gotten Billy a job in casting with me too. And my stalker sends a death threat to my boss. Oh my God. And he says that if I continue to work there, he's going to, you know, when you work at a casting agency, the door is like a revolving door. People can come in and out all day. And especially, you know, we're also scared of workplace violence. My stalker has a history of trying to kill himself in Ivanka's store. So everybody that I work with was scared. And even though I'd worked there for years and I, I still have a great relationship with that boss, it was this kind of like, you know, in, in entertainment, they just don't renew your contract, mm-hmm. right? So they're not technically firing you. It's like, oh, I worked there consistently for years, but suddenly the death threat comes in and I don't have another show to go on. So, so once now, again, you're the one who I, is yes. reaping all of the, uh, <laughs> right. All the, uh, yeah. Right. And so at that point, you know, again, my, my personality archetype is such where I'm just, I'm not taking it. So that's when I actually called Billy who was, it was his first producing job, producing a show called Crime Watch Daily. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. This is how we treat people. Like I've been at risk. So he actually put my, that was the first time I told my story. This would have been early 2016. So prior to me too, prior to the whole culture of people coming out and talking about it. And that was very telling too, because, you know, they did a whole segment on me on Crime Watch and again, all my evidence and all everything. And what ended up happening was Twitter went crazy because of how I looked, right? People were like, dress how you want to be addressed. You asked oh. for it. I, oh, I did the no. crime of wearing red lipstick, you know? And so oh my God, <laughs> that was right. So I had all of this just sort of like energy coming at me and then it just made me push harder. And then do you feel, series- I'm, I'm sorry, but do you feel like your stalker was emboldened? Uh, by the oh, yeah. fact that now you've been doing it for five years and when it did get a little bit of attention, all of a sudden, once again, much like with, you know, Monica Lewinsky, mm-hmm. we have a history of doing this. Uh, specific, yeah. We'll talk about this country because that's the one we know well, the most about. But I mean, he must have felt like, oh, wow, I'm getting away with it. And people right. are agreeing with me. Huh. Right. Plus, you also get the the uh, like the unholy trinity of from a wealthy family and an incel, like all these oh. things are overlapping as well. Mm. Right. Because he came from great wealth and privilege he really feels entitled to me or whomever mm. he wants. So that's also part of his particular story. So I, I, I go public. I started working with Congressman Schiff, who was just our local congressman at that time. This is before he was, you know, head of head of the House Intelligence Committee. Adam and I started Schiff, working. Yes. He's so wonderful. And I started work back then. I had a lot more access to because, he, you know, we just like we get lunch and talk and work together. So um, we started working on some of my proposals. I started realizing a lot of the gaps in the system and started kind of figuring things out. Um, I started doing that. So my proposals were taken and delivered to DOJ. And um, so this is on the timeline. So again, this is 20, this is right before the election. Cause it's kind of important to like understand where we are time-wise. And of course it, uh, it was so traumatizing in many ways, 2016, uh, obviously that did spawn the, uh, the me too movement when uh, we had all of Bill uh, Clinton's accusers front row. And then of course, Donald Trump being on stage uh, with sure, all of his sure. accusations. Mm-hmm. What were some of the holes that you uh, and Adam Schiff discussed? What were some of the things where you're like, well, we need to patch this up because yeah. obviously this is why it's allowed to go on. Well, I'll, I'll get into that in one second, because I have to explain what happened for it all. To I will circle back okay. to that. So, so we started filming my 48 hours episode, which was a two hour special on stalking where they highlighted my story where 48 hours without asking me um, thought it was. A, and I understand as a okay, look, when you do something like 48 hours, I think there were 17 million viewers. So now I'm scared for my life. Oh I'm my convinced gosh. I'm going to be killed, but I had to go public. So somebody would give a shit, right? Like this right. is, a, and it's not easy to do. Again, this is also prior to me too. So being the public face of this crime is not, not a cool thing. So I go, and also go, you must feel yeah. like you took my entire personality away from me. And now this is what I have to talk about. Like it just must fucking yeah. suck. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into that later too, but yes, it's exactly. They keep trying to diminish you to make yourself smaller and less than right. That's, that's the thing with these predators. I always, I always call it extra sparkly. These predators love to find victims that I call extra sparkly because they're charismatic. They're talented. It's really all the things which these predators are not. And that's why they want to obtain, possess and control them. Mm. Right. That's a whole other psychological thing. So anyway, we're filming my 48 hours. And again, I'm grateful for the opportunity for the platform, but what 48 hours did that I don't love is without talking to me, without my consent, they interviewed my stalker. Oh which my God. I, I get wow. like, right. So I get why they did that because I have what nobody has, which is this insane footage of the crazy man, like threatening to heart. And it's really crazy. If I show it to you, it's so insane. So I understand why they did that, but that's what triggered him 
to then attempt to kidnap me. So wow. what so what happened? This is why I bring back the Trump thing in the timeline for the election. Right. So we shoot the 48 hours. He then, after that, he comes to LA with the purpose of finding me, right? Oh so what happens is the election happens. I'm upset. My friends are all upset. It did not go how we wanted. <laughs> and I'll never forget it. I'm walking my dog. I literally picked up her dog shit. I get a call and it was secret service. And I thought it was a joke. I literally, I was like, okay, which friend is like punking me? Yeah. No, it was secret service with LAPD because what had happened was my, my stalker had escaped the psych ward that he had been put into. Oh and gosh. he was, and now, because I, I jokingly say I'm the one person to benefit from the Trump presidency because I won the stalking lottery because I share a stalker <laughs> with his daughter. Right. So I'm in my mind, I'm like, okay, they're going to get him now. And it's going to matter. And like, that's what I was thinking. So, right. It was a terrifying couple of days. And then they actually caught him because as much as he was, you know, fixated on me, he's still fixated on Ivanka, who's now the first daughter. So he actually was caught in New York where he's not supposed to be a block away from Trump Tower. So I'm thinking, okay, he's going to get some real time. Yeah. No, because the, the stalking laws in New York are even worse than they are in California. So it was just considered a misdemeanor. I actually got him on his first felony. We'll get to that in a second. Yes. So, he, he then does his short amount of time in New York, comes to LA with the purpose of kidnapping me, finding me. He tries to kidnap my dog. He goes to where I get my eyelashes done and leaves notes and scares all the women. And again, oh LAPD is not helping me. Nobody is doing anything. I'm tracking him myself. So my stalker writes me and says, I know you go to LA Comic-Con, but what he doesn't know is that my friends own the convention, right? So yeah. I worked with them to essentially, and the kids were always safe. There was so much security. We had them dressed up as like Batman, Superman, right? And so when he came, oh, I forgot. Sorry, let me reel it back a little bit. My stalker was also stalking Kim Kardashian. Hmm. And so I thought for sure I was in contact with her like ex Mossad security team. Uh -huh. I thought, who is scarier than ex Mossad? That's <laughs> yeah, seriously, right? spooky. Right. But no, it was me dressing up security like Batman. So he came to Comic-Con to kidnap me. And then the security dressed as Batman, Superman, caught him, held him down. And then we turned him into LAPD. Oh my gosh. I, so wow. I caught my own stalker. Um, and so- That's incredible. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, right? Um, what one has to do to, to try and be safe and not get killed. So right. then it took a year before we had our trial. And then he actually plea bargain. So the, like the morning of, but I got him on felony stalking, which okay. was the first time we ever had it. However, there's a really bullshit proposition in California called prop 57 mm. and 57. I totally get why people voted for it. It was very misleading. The way that it was put out was, you know, nonviolent offenders reduce sentencing. So if you hear that, you're like, yeah, of course, you know, right, like right. what a little cannabis who gives a shit, get out, whatever. Sure. But they don't explain to you or the crimes that are considered nonviolent in California, which include rape of an unconscious person, forced sodomy, human trafficking, what? and stalking. Right. So because my stalking is considered nonviolent, even though I got him on felony stalking max, which literally is as good as it gets, my four-year sentence reduced to two automatically. Right? Oof. So... I was he incarcerated him, yeah. throughout that process? Or was he... Yes, uh, so he was. They, okay. Yeah, because they had him on a million dollars bail, okay. which, is, which is crazy. Like, I basically... I. I get all the, I've gotten all the things because my case is public and there was celebrity, but it's still this this jacked up. And that's the other thing I want to talk about, too, is that I come in with this mountain of privilege, right? Like all the privilege mm -hmm. in the world. And I'm still treated like shit. So I always want to, like, bring up the fact that if you're coming from, you know, marginalized communities, like imagine how they're treated. And right. I know because I work with them and it's terrible. So. Anyway, so he he got out. He wears an ankle monitor. The problem with ankle monitors is they check them once a week, which doesn't do me any good. So like one of the things that I'm working on right now. So I was appointed our new district attorney in Los Angeles, created the Crime Victims Advisory Board. They chose mm. nine of us from around L.A. And I'm chosen to represent all gender based violence because unfortunately, I've been sexually assaulted. I had one DV incident and I've been stalked and I work with survivors. So I've kind of experienced, you know, a lot of the umbrella. Right. And what I'm trying to do is use geofencing, right? Because I want to give survivors some element of safety and control mm -hmm. for themselves. 
I don't, it, oh, you'll check the ankle monitor once a week. However, what if we had an app given to the survivors, which like, let's just say, and again, I'm not trying to get the ACLU of my business. I'm not trying to monitor the offender all the time, but if say your restraining order is 3000 feet, why can't I get a notification Absolutely. using geofencing on my phone? Well, and of course, when it comes to, uh, you know, civil liberties, we don't want to impede on these, right. uh, but in a situation like this, it only would make common sense that you would have Correct. the information of where your stalker is, because obviously you are the one that is, uh, you know, going to be uh, the victim. So, and all, obviously, again, LAPD, despite the unbelievable financing, NYPD, unbelievably well financed, yeah, yeah. they weren't doing anything. So I think nope, that that's, a, nope. I think that's a wonderful idea. Yeah, thank you. So that's like one of the things I'm working on. I'm also working on creating a stalking task force where, so one of the things that I found, which again, it's not law enforcement's fault. They're not given the specific training, right? So it's not really fair to ask them to, because, okay, so there's a large umbrella, right? Where it's like harassment and shit talk all the way up to stalking and like actual serious threat. Right. Right. And law enforcement, they don't have the training to assess that right away. Right. Like they're just kind of dismissive. So what I want to do with, with the task force is hire forensic psychologists who Mm. could be on staff and then they could evaluate you. Right. And go, okay, this is going to blow over. This is is just like a little shit talk or, Oh, like, like Molly, you in danger girl, you know, like this is a problem. And then if you got to that elevated category, then we could dispatch people. Cause there's a lot of like, there's like, we, I pull a lot of uh, GPS trackers off people's cars. You know, it's very easy. I can send you a link. I can get into the GPS on your phone. So we really need to have people helping you with your tech. Cause a lot of, a lot of this has, you know, that element to it, Mm -hmm. or even just a basic security walkthrough, right? Like just kind of walking through your home being like, okay, you know, you need lights here, ring camera there, trim these bushes. And we don't, police officers are there to investigate the crime after it happened. They're not really focused on prevention. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm hoping to accomplish with my task force. And again, I'm also working on the laws, which are, it it takes forever to make that happen. And even if I am able to accomplish what I want to, it doesn't matter if the enforcement of the law, because like, I I forgot to even mention this. I had 4,000 rape and death threats after my restraining orders. Every single one of them was a violation. And yet I'm catching my stalker myself. There's, there's, way more to my story. My story is very crazy, um, but that's the sort of quick, you know, version of what happened. Yeah. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. When it comes to, uh, you know, the Internet and the way that, uh, you know, people have so much information on us more than ever before. Yeah. uh, What role do you think that played in your scenario when it comes to the sick fantasies and all of that stuff like how would you uh yeah kind of how do you categorize you know that how you know the internet is it's a place where you have to be on it now and if you Mm -hmm. feel like you're being victimized when you go on it again it's uh, it really messes with your quality of life yeah i'm so glad you asked that question because the cdc actually just released some new stats so if we were looking like five ten years ago stalking was largely like give or take a little light. And again, this is what's reported. We don't really know because so much is not reported. So let's just say before it was more like 90% intimate partner, 10% stranger stalking. Now we're looking closer to 50, 50. Wow. Hmm. Okay. And that largely, because if you have someone like my stalker, for example, with a rod of mania and they're bent that way, well, now, you know, my dog's name. Now, you know, where my get my eyelashes done. Now you know who my friends are and your attachment to me is so much greater. And again, I never, I never want people to diminish themselves or, you know, remove themselves. I mean, look, 
as a casting director, I need the internet. That's how I cast. It's my, mm-hmm. you know, um, however, there's definitely something to be said for how to use it responsibly. And one of the other things I always like to talk about is, you know, I can, I, I, can, I haven't done it, but you get sometimes when I do podcasts, I'll, or I'll look up the, the talent ahead of time and be like, oh, this is your address. They're like, how did you know that? It's so easy to find people's information. So I always advocate for, you know, doing those wipes. And I can I can provide your listeners with a great list that I have that gets yeah. you off all of those sites because that would be awesome. We can definitely put yeah. that link out there. That would be yeah. so uh, incredible of you. What kind of legislation would you propose, do you think, for something like the internet? Yeah. Obviously, it's still the wild, wild west. And uh it um yeah, for better or for okay, worse. Okay, so that's so funny that you said that. I'm actually married to a defamation attorney, and so we have a lot. And I've 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 spoken at uh, so many things, and so it's really difficult. The problem is currently the the threat code, which is like. Mm. You know, and again, I don't want to take away anybody's First Amendment rights. I actually did a really cool thing with ADL about First Amendment free speech and threat, right? Yeah. So that's a very big gray area. But as far as the legislation that I've been working on, I've been working on something called SAVE, which is Stalking Abuse Victims Empowerment. Again, mm. it's the idea of like, like my app, like putting the power back in your hands when yes. you've been victimized. And so what I've lo- I'd love to see is, you know how we have a sex offender registry? Uh-huh. Now, they're not perfect, right? There's cases of people who are caught sex and public urination, but for the most part, sex offender registry works. It does what it's supposed to do, right? I don't understand why restraining orders, it's not on there as well, mm. right? So right. if we have, because we have in California, sex offender and arsonist, but if you're, if you're, you know, a domestic abuser, why isn't there a registry? And again, this information is very easy to access. This is all public record. Right. Most people just don't know how. So I would just basically like to have like a website, just like you could uh, look up, you know, Megan's list or whatever, mm-hmm. like to find the sex offenders, you'd be able to find out who has, you know, restraining orders as well near you. Yeah. I think that would be absolutely warranted at this point. Yeah. So when you were speaking with Adam Schiff, Obviously, that's got to be, you know, that's it's interesting to get to that level. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, someone that can make a real change. But you mentioned how it's a really long process. Can you kind of tell our audience a little bit about that process? It's not. I yeah. love Schoolhouse Rock. It's just a little bit short sighted when it comes (laughs) to how difficult it is to pass an actual bill. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I'm like you guys, I work in entertainment. You know what I mean? Like I, I cast reality shows. Like why am I, it's already crazy that I'm like in the DA's office and talking to shift. My proposals are going to DOJ. So I'm like constantly going, what the hell am I like? You know, it's that's that, I cannot <laughs> even, you know, and even having people like writing bills, like that's where I'm struggling with right now is I'm talking to a woman who's, who's written a lot of bills, but like, there's so much with like the nuance and the language. For example, right. there's this wonderful woman named Rhonda Saunders. Um, and she was very instrumental and getting the first stalking laws passed, which they they passed first in California. Do you remember the story of Rebecca Schaefer? She was the actress who was... Okay, I she don't. Was, she was this really beautiful actress on a TV show. She was actually reading the script for Godfather 3 okay. and, pretty, and Pretty Woman. She was about to audition for both of those. And if she wasn't murdered by her stalker, she could have had Julia Roberts' career. She had big, oh beautiful... Like, like, she's so cute. And um, yeah, her stalker came, murdered her on her front door. Oh and God. it was a horrible, shocking, painful crime. And really that's what was the birth of the modern stalking movement was her murder. And so Rhonda Saunders was the ADA Mm. at the time and she helped write the first legislation, which is here in California. They, when they first tried to pass it, I forget what the language was. It was something like, um, you know, violence and, and, and sexual, sexual violence, and it didn't pass. And could it be because men don't fear sexual violence, but then she came back the next year and changed the wording a little bit to be like physical violence. And it's like, Oh, men are afraid of that. And it passed, you know, so it's just Mm. the nuance of the language and, you know, everything. And so, and I've also COVID kind of, I had a lot of really great meetings and everyone's like, this isn't the year for this legislation because everybody is so COVID. Even though the irony was that DV and violence had skyrocketed for Mm -hmm. multiple reasons, you're stuck in your home, your predator knows where you like. So, um, you know, we've had a few setbacks, but I, I don't give up as you probably can tell. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. As far as the society, have we gotten better when it comes to victim blaming? Or are we still like in our primitive phases where it's like, again, why were I remember I did grand jury duty. So we saw we heard a whole series of cases and there was a video of a woman being sexually assaulted. And in the jury, people were like, why was she walking alone after midnight? Why was she? They did the whole what I thought was a cliche and I almost thought it was a fallacy. Right. Why does she wear her dress like this? Have we gotten any better? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, obviously from like before my time in the seventies, right? Like when people, I always say that uh, stalking and this level of stuff is kind of where sexual assault was in the seventies, right? As far as people's like understanding of the crime and the victim blaming. Um, so my answer truthfully is yes and no. Culturally, we're having this conversation, although it's new, but the internet and Reddit and all these awful websites. It's like, every time I feel like there's progress, I just go online and I'm like, oh no, actually there's none. This is still horrible. Everybody's still (laughs) coming for me. I mean, I've had, I've, I've appeared on, I don't, I don't want to say their name. They're a particularly awful incel group that targeted me and they put me on a rape list and they wanted to see who could rape me first. Right. I'm just like, right. And I'm just like, bro, um, the stuff that I'm working on, if you're not a predator, it doesn't affect you. You're okay. But if you, right. So, um, so even just doing this has been like very, uh, intense to say the least. Right. Yeah. Yeah. when you, you've mentioned incel a couple of times, and I know yeah. that, you know, obviously we see, uh, I think a lot of, you know, shootings and a lot of acts of violence mm-hmm. have, uh, you know, have come from people who identify as incels. Mm-hmm. What, what has happened to the psyche of young men, do you think, when it comes to um, their inability to articulate their emotions in a in a proactive way and to discuss these things um, in a way that isn't unbelievably dangerous like what happens do you think um what are they marinating in you know because obviously we live you know everyone loves you know big boobs and the internet's fun and butts and instagram and all that stuff but what is it about these groups of people specifically where they just can't connect these dots that's an autonomous being who is Mm -hmm. you know whatever they might be um what do you think that is from your personal experience on the other side because again as you mentioned Men, I mean, I'm six foot seven, 300 pounds. I yeah. feel fairly safe. Um, but I live, that's a different reality for a lot of people. So what do you think is like missing with these folks? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot of factors. I don't want to say it's any one thing. Um, I noticed the theme of entitlement comes across mm. over and over again, mm. right? With certain populations and the fear that the, the sort of the feeling that they're in, entitled to, to people, they're entitled to things. And, you know, maybe there's elements of affluenza is what like there is with mine. Mine comes from a very wealthy family. I mean, yeah. I, to me, if I can be perfectly honest, I have 8 million theories, but I'm, I'm coming at it from the victim side. Right. I, I really want to ask men. I'm like, what are you, what are you dudes all talking about? What's going on with your, with you? What are you guys seeing? Because I'm, I'm seeing like the effects. I'm more, I'm more interested in going, what, what is the genesis of this? When does this begin? When do you start seeing this in your peers? Do you speak up? Do they like, that's kind of where I'm at, but I think it's, I think it's multi-layered, honestly, obviously a lot of it's untreated mental illness, right? There's, there's that then you have the entitlement and then you have the internet allowing these people to find other people. And then it kind of like validates in their mind, their experience. Right. Mm. And then you get these these Reddit, 4chan, whatever. And it's like, and now they're amping each other up and teaching each other how to be better predators. So that certainly has not helped things. And then from a government level or from a legislative level, do you, uh, Again, mentioning, you know, Monica Lewinsky, uh, my yeah. friend Brooke Rogers got to write a great article on Monica and the, uh, I was going to say slut shaming that occurred was the fact that she was the one who right. took the fall yeah. and yeah. Bill got reelected uh, or I guess uh, whatever, just he was impeached. But anyway, he left the office with high approval ratings, this, that and the other thing. Of course, yeah. Um, so what would you like to hear publicly from these people that are in power that have the microphone because right now obviously there's a lot of um people who are in political life that have batshit opinions and they espouse (laughs) those and at no point are we getting anywhere to make this country better Um, what would you like the i don't know just the messaging to be Yeah. I mean, honestly, I want to see it from the ground up. I want to see prevention and education. I want to see that really young because if we could teach people from a young age, like this shit isn't cool, right? That would nip a lot of that in the back. And we're not thinking about that, right? So starting there, then that again, it leads up to law enforcement. I want to see better training for them. Like we talked about, I want to see better laws because law enforcement can't enforce laws that do not exist. Right. So it's like all of these things have to go together, but you know, it's so interesting when we're talking about legislation is like, let's look at who a lot of the lawmakers are. And these are not crimes that are affecting them. They don't even understand how the internet works. So like, that's a problem (laughs) as well. So it's kind of like, I don't, I don't know if they need to age out. I don't know if we need to get younger people. I don't, I really don't know. I just know that. And also the other complication is, you know, 
working on a state level, the states vary greatly, right? Like for example, in Utah, it's my understanding that I wouldn't have even qualified for a restraining order because you have to have a relationship with the person, right? Right. Or like in in New York, for example, like this is crazy. I think it was 2014. um, Their state court said that death threats given over electronic device. So text or email are considered freedom of speech and it's not even a crime. So like that wouldn't have held up in my case. Right. And like one of the weird things that I I have to explain to people is when I was talking to the 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 DDA on my case, um, you know, I had these very graphic rape and death threats. And I remember (sighs) him saying to me in court, we're just going to use the rape threats. And I was like, "Okay, rape is horrible. I've had it happen to me. But, you know, you would think death is like even worse. Like, why are we not using the death threats? And he looked at me and he was totally serious. He goes, well, because he wants to use Zyklon B to kill you. And that's like really hard to get. I'm sitting going, oh, my God, anybody, anybody can Google on the Internet how to make gas. And he goes, yeah, I just don't think because it's Zyklon B. He goes, but I'll never forget. He goes, but I do believe he could use his penis as a weapon. Like, I do think it's more likely he could rape you than. Right. And so that's what I'm trying to explain to people is like what holds up in court. Like, you know, when when they if you're I'm in the the, I forget statistically what it is. I think it's like one point three percent. I might be slightly wrong, maybe. But it's it's terrible um, as far as these crimes and what's prosecuted. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like first you're not taken seriously when when you come in. Then there's a bunch of like it took me a long time. Like the judge was like, oh, we'll give you your restraining order. But because he's all over the place, he doesn't have a fixed address. Good luck serving. And if you haven't served it, it doesn't go into effect. So that's another piece of, of talk about legislation I'd like to see. Is, you know, we have, and I'm always like, it's funny because my husband's a lawyer. I'm, I'm not a lawyer at all, but I'm <laughs> close. Um, but, you know, he's always, we're always talking about precedent, right? And yeah. so there's precedent for things like foreclosure notices. You could do it, you know, online and it's considered mm-hmm. valid, right. right? And so I'm like, okay, if you can send me a death threat over email, why can't I send you a protective order right back at that email? Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's ways to track if, if documents have been opened. Like we have this technology. So if part of the problem is, you know, serving and believe me these people evade they don't answer the you know like so that's something else that i'd like to see that'd be really great is for you know giving the restraining order sounds like internet literacy needs to be taught (laughs) absolutely (laughs) right yeah yeah Yeah. i mean with the legislation we talk about someone like out of ohio jim jordan for example uh he covered up a a sexual abuse case uh, with a wrestling coach that was sexually abusing wrestlers Mm. do you think it's nefarious Do you feel like, you know, we talked about this kind of with the Epstein uh, situation. Um, Do you think that there's these things are happening on purpose? Do you feel like there's something nefarious within our system that it makes this status quo? Are you asking me, do I think there's predators all around who are complicit in letting? Yes. I mean, do you think that people get in there and say no to certain legislation because they're protecting themselves, their buddies, their families? I don't know. I mean, I I I don't know. Kavanaugh, Clarence Thomas. I don't know. You tell me if you want. I wrote a great (laughs) article about it. I wrote a great op-ed about it for the L.A. Weekly about what it feels like as a survivor to see Kavanaugh coming in. People should read that. If you want to know how that feels, I mean, what does that send as a message, right? Like right. our Supreme Court, okay? Right, and then yeah, go on. Well, and and mutual friend Billy Jensen, of course, has been working yeah. on a book about cops who abuse that oh power my God. as what well. Was the name of that officer, uh, Andrew Mitchell in oh. Columbus, Ohio. He basically had a, a record of picking up sex workers, threatening them uh, yeah. with killing them uh, unless they did what he wanted them to do. And so, so to and then to of course be- he did end up killing one after she uh, tried to defend herself, and he shot her. And uh, he just times. and they just had a, a hung jury, so he's you know he's not convicted or not convicted yet, but he is mm-hmm. you know. The system again. Yeah. To, to Ben's point, it's it seems to be f- filled with these folks. Either they're making the laws or they're enforcing the laws. It almost mm-hmm. seems like in this scenario, maybe the jury system isn't the best way to go about it. Because to get twelve folks to understand how severe this stuff is, this isn't stalking is very serious. It's very serious. It's very nuanced. It's very complicated. The education isn't there. I mean, I could yeah, of course, this is all 
And so I would that's assume, what I talk about every day. I would assume when you went to court, did you dress a certain way? Did they, did you dye your hair? Because I know nope. that's a whole nother thing where they, uh, right. if, you know, on the flip side, of course, with Casey Anthony, obviously a totally different scenario, but yeah. she dressed like she was a nun. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. <laughs> did you, I mean, just even the presentation aspect where you yeah. have to hide your personality because uh-huh. you don't want people to infer something upon you. Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm in a lot of spaces I wouldn't have found myself if this didn't happen, you know, political spaces and and, and certain things where, you know, a, a ding dong working in art and reality TV wouldn't find themselves. Right. <laughs> but, a, but absolutely. You know, when you're representing yourself in court, I never wanted to uh, appear in a false way that wasn't authentic to me, but it's definitely the more conservative, polished, you know, sort of um, well-behaved lady version of myself when I'm in court, yeah. And if it was fair, you could show up naked and everyone say, yep, you can't do that still. (laughs) And it's just, that's what I guess is so disheartening when you're a victim and uh, you survive. And then it does it feel... I don't know. I don't want to get too invasive, but does it feel almost like yes, does, does it does it does it keep on scratching the wound open when when well, you when you when you realize like people still don't give a fuck? Like, <laughs> what do you have to do before uh-huh. people take something like this as serious as it is? Right. Well, then add on top of it, the potential for media based trauma. I started my company. I don't know if you got to take a look at the website. Mm-hmm. I think you're friends with Amanda Knox, too, and a few other people at my company. But essentially, I started, I call us the bad bitches of true crime. It's <laughs> forensic psychologists, um, other high profile survivors, prosecutors. Anyway, and so I started doing on set work on these on these productions because I started like, okay, so in scripted stuff, there's a role now called the intimacy coordinator. I don't know if you've heard of that role. Right, like, no. right. So, so it kind of, it kind of spring up post me too, when there's like sex scenes or nudity and they have this coordinator who goes on set to make sure the actors are respected, treated properly. Boundaries aren't, you know, disrespected. Okay. Got and it. it makes sense. Right. And so I was like, wow, that's so cool. They have these considerations for actors. What about the real people on these real shows where they manipulate us? They coerce us. They try to force a soundbite that's not authentic to us. I've had I've had shows where um, they want me to do my own recreation, which sometimes makes some people disassociate when they say, take your worst trauma and create it for entertainment purposes. Oh, my God. (laughs) I've had them I've had them, you know, try and and shove things down my throat that I would never say because it's a soundbite that they want, you know, lots of just the so anyway so i started working on set because i'm also a, a producer as well i do casting and i'm also a survivor working with those survivors to yeah. sort of be that liaison to make sure that we're, res- we're respecting victim survivors and their families on set we also do consultant work for scripted and unscripted shows mm-hmm. to make sure like for example you could hire amanda if you were doing a, a show on wrongful conviction and you sure. could talk to her about you know and then i also provide experts because a lot of times they just have people who don't know shit about anything going on <laughs> representing stuff. So I'm like, no, you can actually get the best. Um, but so as far as, you know, you're asking me how it feels, there's the initial trauma that you experience, then how disheartening it is when maybe law enforcement doesn't treat you the way you thought it was going to be. Maybe the justice system didn't work out the way you thought it was going to be. There's all that. And then if you go public, and again, I did it prior to me too. So I have the experience of before and after. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you it's that much better. The only thing that happens now is when I tell my story, when I speak, tons of people come up to me and share their story. Mm -hmm. That's how it's different. Mm -hmm, But it's, but it's not like I have more people going like, you know, or, or less people blaming me for some element of it, you know, and, and honestly, I even, I get the easy part of it because I don't have the emotional connection. The people that I see who really get the worst is when it's former intimate partner. And they're like, you dated that person, you married that person, you had, it. and they really, they really get that. It's terrible. Yeah. As far as true crime as a culture, obviously we do mm-hmm. last podcast on the left and yeah. we've been talking about true crime for a long time. Um, are you happy with how it's being presented or are there some things you would like to see change specifically when it comes? I'll just take Ted Bundy, for example, uh, uh-huh. the man, uh, the, I forget the name of the actor. He's a very handsome man and he technically yeah. did a fine job as Ted Bundy. But that movie was a blowjob to Ted. If yeah. Ted Bundy was alive today, I firmly believe he would like 90% of the documentaries and almost all the movies that are based on it. Um, he was a necrophiliac nose picker and yep. that's what people should yep. know. <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. Like, and the audacity in real life when the judge was like, you would have made a fine lawyer. It's like, no, he wouldn't have. The <laughs> man's a fucking asshole. He's really a sociopath. Would've. He's a fucking moron. Yeah. Um, true crime specifically, how would you like to see them handle these um, these subjects? And yeah. uh, or do you think they're do you think it's you no, know going I, OK? I, 
I started my whole company because we've all had media-based trauma. Like my company literally exists to correct all of this. Like I'm trying to get deals with networks to overall look at their like retainer agreements to look at their content and make mindful suggestions and be like trigger warning would be cool here. For example, I was really bothered by the Night Stalker documentary on Netflix. Mm. You know, it was pretty well done, but the graphic photos like you know, it's just as horrifying, the story. We don't need to see the graphic photos. It desensitizes the audience. The families are still alive. Like, why are we making that choice, right? So, so I you think, would go, you yeah. would err on uh, the side of caution when it comes to showing the photos. Is there yeah. a flip side to that where it's important for people, like you mentioned with Ted Bundy, who mm-hmm. is a necrophiliac scumbag, yeah. to also know all of the nasty details? Otherwise, we just have this glossed over, like almost anti-hero. Uh, like categorization specifically in Bundy. So where's the balance, do you think? For me and the other survivors that I've spoken to, describing is enough. The visual representation of it is where it's it's gone too far mm. because seeing the body of your loved one in that <sighs> way, it's one thing for me to say X, Y, and Z occurred. Okay, we know that we went through court, but to actually see them in that state and tr- you know what I mean? That's where a lot of people are like, I draw the line there. So mm. given given the discussions I've had with survivors and their families, okay. that would be my example. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Because, of course, we can't lose sight of just how horrific these things are, but we just have to cover it in a yeah. way where it shouldn't be which is so disgusting what they did with the Sharnov brother, for example, when they put him on the cover of the Rolling Stone. Mm. Same thing with Charles Manson. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, I just feel like it sends such weird messages yeah, to course. society and to people. To the copycats. To the copycats. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I guess thank you for trying to uh, you know, nullify uh, yeah. that entire kind of scenario and that and that whole you know view but it's just so difficult when you have you know producers attempting to make money and in order to do that you have to have people click on your product and mm-hmm. now as you mentioned we are so desensitized it almost feels like you got to go extra far Right. And that's, that's, that's a concern. And like, I want to point out that I was a consumer of true crime before I was a crime story. Like my father was a, it was really weird mix, a urologist, psychiatrist, police surgeon who did forensics. So I literally grew up (laughs) as a lot, right? That is a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's another thing people always ask me, like, what sort of gave you the capacity to do this? And I'm like, well, I always kind of grew up with it. So I I grew up, you know, reviewing this kind of content in the home. Right. But the culture has shifted the fact that like, and again, like this, I apologize this offends some people in your audience, but the, just just sit on this really quick, right? You listen to a crime podcast, right? And I I definitely want to believe that people are there for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Like I want to believe that, but the fact that it's like you know maybe you're on the treadmill just casually hearing this really fucked up stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like where is it in the day where you just stop and just take a moment and just realize what you've consumed. That's all I'm asking people is like, again, I'm not, I, I'm not knocking anybody that has these interests. I had these interests before I was one of these stories. Right. It's just really being mindful about these are people, not just content, right? It's like, it's really sort of making that distinction. And that's what I'm asking people because, you know, at some point it, it will possibly be you or someone that you love that has something like this happen. And I'm just asking for a bit of respect and mindfulness. Yeah. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. 
And then is there anything from the true crime conversations that can save people's lives, do you think? Are we getting more like aware of it's just sad, (laughs) but uh, people are, you know, people are fucking scary, man. And uh, they can do some really crazy things and we don't like to think about it, but it's just the reality. Do you think that there's an aspect I know with you sharing your story? um, Do you feel like that's this is helping protect and save people again? uh, It is on the it's the onus is on the people who are doing the crimes. And it sucks to even have to suggest or talk about like, what do we do to protect ourselves here? But you just have to. Yeah, no, I think what I think the great value in the, with this like thirst for true crime is you take, for example, like my friend Tara Newell from Dirty John. Most people had never heard of the term coercive control mm. before they became familiar with that story. And now and a lot of times I hear people who are like, holy shit, that that resembles this experience in my life. And that sort of now presents a red flag they can be aware of. So I absolutely I do think that when creators are examining things and trying to get to the heart of things with with a good purpose and intention, yeah has great has great value right but i'm just saying to me it's weird it's like i feel like true crime it's either the best or the worst right it's like, that's when i did they're the most wonderful people with the best intentions who were like do that or it's just the most exploitive let me profit off your pain like nastiness and i don't know <laughs> why it's like one or the other, but I have, I have met wonderful people that are doing, and also even just, you know, the the highlighting of certain stories. And, you know, I've seen a a big change, especially with like um, violence against sex workers. Mm -hmm. The conversation has really shifted about, you know, how we talk, what populations are vulnerable, how we talk about them. And I really think that is because of like true crime podcasts and stuff, because five, 10 years ago, the climate was different and people weren't spoken of so, so kindly. Yeah. So you mentioned you don't, you no longer consume uh, true crime after you became uh, no. sort of a headline. Uh, you no, do. Consume, I, 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 I do. I just consume it differently. Yeah. You, you consume know, it I, with yeah. mindfulness, basically. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, yeah. So I, I have a question. Uh, part of your story really stuck out to me. The forty, mm-hmm. the the where you were talking about you being on forty eight hours, mm-hmm. and then the producers making the choice to interview your mm-hmm. assailant. Right. So my question about there, do you where were they? Where do you think the producers were coming from? Were they coming from? Yeah. We need to make this known and what he's like, or were they coming yes. from? We got content. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. I think I think they were trying to do me a solid. I think I think they were trying to provide unbelievable evidence and show America how scary these people are. Mm. How real it was, basically. How real it was. However, if I'm being really truthful, I think they're used to presenting homicide. I think there's a really big difference on how we're dealing with living survivors, with active cases that are not adjudicated. And I think that's where the gray area is because because on the it it could have hurt me in my case because it could have been like, well, you provoked him. You did this. You You went on TV. Yeah, correct. So I, I think they had the best intentions. I think they're like, we're going to get you this footage and everything you've been saying, we're going to get him. Cause it's like, he's talking and he's got this like giant booger and he's spitting and he's screaming and he's so violent and he's so terrifying. And so basically I will say the climate for me changed because prior to the show, people didn't believe me. Then the show Mm. happened and literally everyone's like, Oh my God, you're going to get, Oh my God. Oh my God. We're so worried for you. So I'm it's, it's very complicated for me because I'm so appreciative. I have that footage, but at the same, time it spun him out i wasn't warned i wasn't told and i found out because he wrote me and said we're going to be on a show together we're oh my God. Jeez. right so but that's what i'm saying is i think even when people here's here's ultimately what i'm getting at i think even when content creators have the best intentions and i believe that they do if you're not a survivor Right. And you haven't, there's, it's just like, for example, I have black friends. I am not black. I do not understand that experience. Right. Right. It's the same thing with true crime. If you're not deeply enmeshed in that particular, there's going to be nuance that you don't understand. And for example, there's a, I'm not going to say what it was, but there was a recent, very mainstream, well done production of a case that has not been adjudicated with multiple victims that interviewed all of the victims together. And like, you can't do that. Like when the, mm. before the Cosby civil trial, they kept all of the women separate because they didn't want them, you know, being accused of cross pollinating stories. Mm-hmm. Right. So what happened? Interesting. Right? Is that also, um, uh, if you are interviewed together, is that also a negative experience for the, for the victims as well? Or well, why did prior, why? prior to adjudication or, so this is prior to adjudication. Okay. If it had been, if it had been adjudicated, then it could be this like, you know, brother or sisterhood of survivors. Sure, right? sure. But, but if you're not adjudicated yet, 
basically what's going to happen is all that footage is going to get subpoenaed and used in court against you saying that you're cooperating. Yeah, that's, that see. all gets thrown out in court because it's they, exactly. they tainted the evidence. Gotcha. Right, okay. right. But if you're not, but if you've never been through the system and you don't have a legal, you're just a producer going, oh, this is great. We're going to get everybody talking together. How oh. wonderful. But you're not realizing what your potential. So that's why I'm saying. I see. Con- that's why I'm saying these productions need to hire me and my consultants so we can say, okay, this is cool, but like, this is kind of a problem here. Let's like not do this. Right. Because it's so complicated. Yeah. Yeah. It's different when it's adjudicated. That's totally different. But these unadjudicated active investigation things, that's that's really murky territory. And I know Travis has a question, but just you mentioned how no one believed you be until the 48 hours special, mm-hmm. which is just so disgusting. Yeah. You must have lost friends. I mean, I, I, I did you speak to friends and they were like, nah, I don't know, Lenora. Or you're scared of that guy? I mean, it's like yeah. that must have just I mean, yeah. I just... What I did get that was really horrifying was, I mean, I don't think he's attractive at all, but I had some people going, well, that's not the worst. He's kind of cute. And I was like, that was really weird. Or people saying like, well, isn't it a little flattering? And I'm like, is that that flattering about it? No. Um, (laughs) I'm lucky lucky that I had a good, what I will say is it didn't affect my friendships. However, dating was horrible. It was awful because especially once I went public, because, you know, people Google you before Mm -hmm. a date. So imagine you're on an awkward Tinder date and then they sit down and they're like, so I heard this guy has been trying to kill you for a couple oh, of years. My God. Like, right. Yeah. So it, it really affected my dating. And um, luckily, my husband was somebody I was friends with for a decade before we started dating. So and he's a lawyer, so he gets it. But um, dating was an absolute nightmare. It was horrible. And again, another yeah. thing that this man stole from you. Yeah, the, and then just also the, the, the yeah. ability no, to go no, on so, a nice date. You know what have, else? Yeah. It was it was also you got the white knight shit, which is I always say mm. it's guys who wanted to save you with their dick. You know, like when I would be on TV, I would have all these guys DMing me, going like, you know, I'll protect you, or you could come stay with me, and it's just like I don't, I don't. But need it's almost completing. It's almost completing the circuit where it's like <laughs> you don't need to exist at all if we just right. stop right. Uh, this action from happening. Yeah. In in the world, in the everything you've discussed in the world, what you're doing is a net positive. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, you getting out there and uh, you talking about your story and explaining everything that happened. It's it's net positive for the world. But in your life, you do social media and everything and and being public with your story. Has it been a net positive or a net negative? That's a great question. And hopefully I get to sell my documentary I'm taking out because we talk about that subject a lot. I've lost a lot. I'm not going to lie. It's kind of like weird to say, like Billy can verify this. Like when I first met Billy, I was, they used to call me like the it girl of Los Angeles. Like I just got like a billboard in Times Square doing nothing. Like, okay, whatever. Like (laughs) I just, I just had every, I got a lot of, got a good things were happening for me. I had a very different life. I used to get paid to go to parties. I had a nightclub and like my life was very different. Yeah. And None of I can never have a gallery again. I can never be that p- person that I was. It's dramatic. Like, for example, when when you wrote me, I was like, oh, I've heard of your other podcast, but I don't listen to podcasts. The reason why is even things like most people will like walk and, you know, walk their dog and listen to a podcast. I yeah. can't do that. It, you I don't can't feel have safe. headphones. Yeah. Wow. I don't feel safe. I didn't even so, think about that. So many things about my life have been altered and changed forever. I mean, I had the worst insomnia for almost a decade because I was told I was going to get gas through my door. Oh my God. So, you know, it's only now that I'm in a, I'm in a much safer situation that I don't have that fear, but like for a good decade, I slept like two hours and wake up two hours. Wait, you know, wow. it's complete. And, and, and a lot of physical problems. That's another thing that you don't hear survivors talking about, but um, I do these, um, free yoga for survivor classes on Sundays. So I have like a lot of survivors together and everybody has stress related health problems, like mm. the toll that it takes. There's a lot of collateral damage from interpersonal mm-hmm. relationships to your work experience, yeah. to your physicality and how it's changed. So yeah, wow. it's taken a lot from me. Well, sticking with the the positivity of, of your work and the importance mm-hmm. of this work. Mm-hmm. Um, and since we are a political show, we focus on criminal justice all the time. I was awesome. really taken up, about what you said about the Prop 57 and just how that, you know, it sounded yeah. like a criminal justice reform measure. And then, yeah. so are there any states in this nation of ours out of all 50 that you think are, it? they're doing it right? Are they going in the right direction? Yeah, any positive examples? I guess. Yeah, um, any positive I examples do. we can look at? I do have a positive example. My friend Anna Nasset, who is bizarre, she also had an art gallery and that's how she got her stalker. It's so weird we have that in common. So first thing we She's, know is don't 
Oh, yeah, Jodie Bernard Gallery. Um, it's funnier. She, she's really uh, wonderful. She's a great stalking advocate as well. And she currently lives in Vermont, but her case happened in Washington and okay. very similar to mine. But because she got the right prosecutor, there was no bullshit 57 law, essentially very comparable to my case. And mm-hmm. her stalker got 10 years. And that's the longest uh, I've heard. So, so good job, Washington. Like, mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive. I'm interested to hear, and again, uh, Lenora, Claire, thank you so much. Just one more, just five more minutes, uh, if you have at the time. Um, When someone gets sentenced to prison, is there a fear that they're going to retaliate when they get out? Like, because 10 years, you know, we're we're, we're, we're all going to be alive in 10 years. years. And and what about those of us who are progressive who don't necessarily even think that, you know, jail is the right thing? There's there's that sort of thing, too, right? There's a lot of conversation. I actually wrote an op-ed again, not to be like, read my stuff, but I, I wrote about that, about what it means to be a victim survivor working with other survivors who's also progressive in that gray area, because right now it's so black and white. It's lock everybody up, lock nobody up. Like where, where do we go with all this stuff? And, you know, different, like for example, my ankle monitor app is a really good idea. Great idea. You know, like just keep the person away from me because he's not, you know, like that's so kind of exploring all that stuff. It's very complicated. I use the word nuance, like, 200 times a day. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very, very nuanced. Very intense. Yeah. It really my, is. My experience with victim notification in New Mexico is that you actually have to be proactive. Like you have to call oh, yeah. and see if your victim, oh, yeah. if your guy is in, is in jail, oh, yeah. if the person who assaulted you oh, is crazy. And yeah. I, w- I mean, a phone call would be great. Hey, the guy well, who did this to you is out of jail. So, yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. There's something called Vine and Vine yes, is supposed to familiar. alert you. Yeah. But Vine has failed me three times. Vine failed and- me as well. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'll just tell you another little fun thing. So, you know, I know the DA, I, I work with the DA, they know me there. So this last violation of my restraining order, um, it went to the city attorney, which is for misdemeanors. People don't understand. So district attorney is felonies, city attorney is misdemeanors. Okay. That's the difference, right? So my, even though I've been with a very special unit of LAPD called threat management, which is supposed to be the elite division for celebrities because my face is on TV, they're supposed to be the best of the best yeah. on my crime report, even though my case has been there since 2015, he put down my wrong phone number. So, oh when my God. The, so when it went to the city attorney, they don't know me. And I missed my court date because nobody notified me. Oh, also, geez. what a horrifying thing when the person that got the phone call be like, what? I have a stalker. It's horrifying. Right. So like one of the other things I'm asking for is like, why don't we have it with these crime reports? Why don't we just have it where the, the victim can sign off and be like, yep, that's all my information. Cool. Like there's you're just right. so many little things where you're just like, fa- and again, there's human error. I get it. Like, believe me, but there's a reason why I'm not a cop. Right. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I make mistakes, you know, but like yeah. if you're in that role, your mistake can really affect my life. Right. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Yeah. You were wonderful, mm-hmm. Lenora. And yeah. I hope it helps people. And um, yeah, I guess. Uh, is there any other any final words to just uh, I mean, because yeah. I know our audience, you know, because just the nature of our, our show and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, we receive a lot of messages from people um, who were abused and. Uh, yeah. And you were violated. Any message of hope or just kind of progress? Yeah. Um, the one thing I'll tell people is that I, so I, Billy can tell you, I had the most amazing wedding. It was just this like Fellini spectacle nice. with like <laughs> my friends from RuPaul's Drag Race and my monkey flower girl. And the reason, <laughs> the reason I was so public with it is that I want survivors to know that you are deserving of healthy love. And I'm like, mm. I'm literally, I am just, trauma on top of trauma on top of doc martens like i've had happen to me. but i have i ha- really have a, a wonderful supportive husband i just want people to and again not saying that a, a relationship is everybody's happy ending sure, but sure. whatever whatever that is for you is that you are deserving of healthy yes. happiness and it does exist and that i'm like proof of that so i just yeah. always like to let people know that beautiful absolutely awesome. well thank you so much for being here yeah thank you awesome. All right, everyone. There it was, our conversation with Lenora Claire. Wow. I learned so much. I Ooh. really didn't know how bad uh, this legislation was. Yeah, or <laughs> lack, lack of legislation. Yeah. And this is just one of those areas where, as a society, that's why we kind of asked the question, like, is this on purpose? Because yeah. you look at the people in charge does, and you wonder, does like, Instagram do want this? Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's just a bizarre uh, situation. But thank you all so much for listening. And uh, hopefully uh, you're safe and healthy. And if you're a man out there, um, please, God, get help. 
Uh, this is not appropriate <laughs> right. behavior. There's female kinda, stalkers too, but ab- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you know, in this yeah, case, yeah. yes, I, get help, get help, please. Um, <laughs> and and just realize you're doing real damage. This isn't a game, right? You know, and because uh, I asked the question, like, what would you, what do you think is wrong with the incels and in, in that community? And I think she had a valid point where it's like, you tell me, guys. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like, you know. So it is up to us as men as well. Um, if we know someone who is engaging in this kind of behavior to step up and say, what right. the fuck are you doing, dude? Right. And not to white knight this stuff. I'm not saying that, but be, we need to be responsible as well. Right. Uh, and we need to hold ourselves accountable, uh, which mm-hmm. I think was a, a valid, another valid point from this really interesting interview. We can all be advocates against creepy ass stalking. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything she talked about, you know, from even how you, how you absorb the media, how you're, you listening to this yes. podcast, is this entertainment or is this something that where someone got hurt or someone died? It's so important to think about that. It is. And if you detach yourself, then you, you become part of the attacker, part of yeah. the violence. Yes. And I think about it all the time. You know, it's like we have to always remember the victims come first and mm-hmm. uh, it's, you know, it's why we like to make fun of the monsters. Yeah, yeah make exactly. fun of the monsters. Um, because I love what she said about Ted Bundy just being a, a nose-picking uh, necrophiliac. That's it. He's not, <laughs> he wasn't going to be a great yeah. lawyer. Yep. Nope, that's it. That's the guy. <laughs> Fucking creep. Uh, that's it. Zach Efron. That's who played him. Yeah, Zach Efron. Zac oh, Efron. he's dreamy. He's yeah, probably he's also way creep. Too handsome. He's probably also No, creep. let's <laughs> not throw Efron under the He's bus. making granola bar commercials now. <laughs> he's one with nature. It's just too, he's too handsome. Yeah, That's too the problem handsome. to play a, a necrophile like Bundy. But anyway, uh, check out some of the links that uh, that are, will be on the website. And uh, yeah, follow what Lenora Claire does. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're, uh, you know, anyway, we can all we all we all just have to step up. Right. And uh, exactly. And help out our fellow man and woman. We can all work together to make this country a better place. Less stocky. Less stocky would be great. All right. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Next episode, we'll be back uh, with some the biggest political news of the week. And my God, we have a bunch to talk about. Oh, boy. Will, there's more (laughs) words to be said. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.